Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best books directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with Elliot Parker, the author of a gripping new police thriller series featuring Ronan McCullough. The first book in the series is Fragile Brilliance, and it was just released. Elliot, welcome. Hi, Steve. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for being here, and congratulations on the release. It's, uh, it's exciting. We're talking, I think, the day after the, the release, so congratulations to you on getting it all done. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm real excited about it. Can you give us a little bit of a background about Ronan? He's, he's a police detective. Um, give, it, give us, he's going to carry this series, so tell us about Ronan. Ronan is a, uh, as you mentioned, a, a police uh, detective. He's actually at rank of sergeant when uh, Fragile Brilliance begins. Uh, he's from Boston, Massachusetts originally, and he relocates to West Virginia after getting sort of tired of the big city life and, and the noise and the crowds and the people and is looking for a more uh, sort of quiet way of life. And so he uh, has been with the Charleston, uh, West Virginia Police Department for quite a while. Uh, and he is working primarily at the beginning of this book in, in sort of under, undercover um, investigations where he goes undercover quite a bit and also where he um, uh, has to deal with some of Charleston's most uh, violent criminals and also some of the uh, most um, serious investigations that the police department deals with. So he's been on the force for a long time. Uh, like many police officers who uh, have, have done what he's done for a long time, uh, he's got all the, all the traits that you would uh, expect to see from a police officer of, of of his experience, you know he's he's got a sort of a dry sense of humor, a dry wit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can be sardonic at times. He can be, uh, you know, uh, you know, grouchy in certain cases, and and kind of all the emotions in between. But he's very dedicated to his job. He takes his job very seriously, and he is someone that has a strong sense of justice and a strong sense of right and wrong. And and he firmly believes that it, part of his job and part of his responsibility uh, as a police officer is to make sure that uh, the law is upheld and that the uh, people who are violating the law are held accountable for what they've done. <laughs> it's a good description. And he, and you mentioned that he had a number of the traits or several traits that, that we would expect in a book like this, but a lot of times police detectives or police officers, long-term police officers are not in good relationships. They're not in loving, committed relationships. We see more trouble uh, for most of these police officers than anything else, but that's not the case with Ronan. That's right. He uh, he has uh, a partner, and uh, his boyfriend is named Ty Andino, who is a uh nurse at Charleston uh, Mercy Hospital, and uh, Ty works in the uh, emergency room. He's a charge nurse there, so he's sort of in charge of all the nurses and the nursing staff there at the hospital. And uh, and he and Ronan actually met on a situation where Ronan had been investigating uh, a crime with uh, his uh, police partner, uh, Eric Bonamico, and uh, Ronan's injured in that attack, and he's brought into the emergency room uh, for treatment, and Ty is actually the nurse that takes charge of his treatment when he first arrived. Arrives at the hospital, and so so for, from that point forward, uh, you know they, they develop a relationship, and Ronan kind of uh, you know 
I don't want to say pines after Ty, but he kind of takes the initiative to kind of pursue him. Mm-hmm. And uh, what makes their relationship so interesting, Steve, is they are so different. You know, we talked about kind of the characteristics that, that make Vernon what he is, and Ty's very much the opposite. Ty's very, very sensitive. He's very supportive. He's extremely intelligent, but he's very loving, and he's very patient, and he is the perfect sort of balance for everything that goes on in Ronan's personal life and professional life. So they make a, a very good complement for each other, uh, but because they are so different. But there, but there's no doubt that Ty loves Ronan. He puts up with Ronan's uh, <laughs> obsessions and his peculiarities and his idiosyncrasies, and, and loves him all the same. Uh, now, Ronan does have an adversarial relationship with his sister Melissa, right? And, and that's that's uh, one of the really that's one of the the fun things about the book. It 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 brings a lot, I don't know, a, a lot of color to the story. I mean, it, there are a couple things that are going on here. The setting, which is in Charleston, West Virginia, perhaps not the most tolerant city in the world, and uh, the sister. So both of those add a great deal of color to the book. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, Melissa is really, you know, she and Ronan haven't gotten along for a long time. That they, they, They've they had s- some troubles going back, uh, you know, all the way to uh, the, their childhood and, and, and to growing up there in Boston. And, and Melissa has some skeletons in her own closet that readers find out in the book. Um, but one of, one of the main problems is that, you know, she lives now uh, in Florida, and she um, lives with uh, a man named Bruce Copeland. Um, and they have a son, although not together, uh, and Melissa's son is named Nick, mm-hmm. and uh, she she was uh, Nick was a, a son born out of wedlock when uh, uh, Melissa was having uh, uh, had a one night stand during her rebellious stage growing up, and so uh, this Bruce Copeland character has sort of adopted both of them, uh, and then what ends up happening is they get into an argument. Nick and, and Bruce and his mother Melissa get into an argument. Uh, Nick hasn't been happy for quite some time. Bruce doesn't think a lot of Nick, and and and, you know, sort of puts uh, himself and, and his interests first. And so Nick gets frustrated and he runs away. And the only living relative he has left is Ronan. And so one of the great scenes in the story is is Ronan, and after Ronan um, uh, recovers from the, the uh, attack that he suffers at the beginning of the book, he's trying to recover. And all of a sudden, Ty goes to the front door, opens the door, and there's this teenager standing there that he doesn't know anything <laughs> about and has never met before. Um, so a lot of what goes on in the book is, is Melissa trying to convince Nick to come back with her to Florida because that's where he belongs. And once she realizes that Ronan is in this committed relationship with Ty, which goes against everything she believes in as, as a person, uh, you know, she sort of, in trying to get him back, uh, allows a lot of her prejudices and, and venomous thoughts to, to come through and has some really interesting exchanges with uh, Ty and Ronan both over their relationship. Indeed. And, and you've set up a We've set up some of the the side stories, but there's a primary story. There's a crime. There's a criminal. There's, you know, all the things that you expect in a police thriller like this. So give us a little sense of what that is. Sure, I'd be happy to. The The beginning of the book starts with, with Ronan going to work uh, to start his shift. And one of the interesting things about both Ronan and Ty, which I think adds an interesting dynamic to the book, is that both of them work the night shift. And, uh, you know, I, I talked to a lot of police officers who work that shift. Uh, I, I've had people in my own family that have worked night shift. My mother was a nurse for a number of years, and she worked night shift. And, and there's just something challenging about being awake at night and being asleep during the day, which is very opposite of what your body uh, normally is used to. But Ronan's getting ready to start his uh, shift one day, and as he's going through downtown Charleston on his way to the police station, 
he sees a college student outside of a downtown sports bar, and the college student's name is Michael Warner, being attacked. So Ronan pulls off to the side as the crowd kind of gathers, and he charges in to break up the situation. And at first it looks like it's going to be an ordinary routine. You know, he's going to step in, tell the, tell the men to back off, identify he's a police officer and break things up. Well, what Ronan finds out is that's not what's going to happen. And, and the three men who are attacking Michael turn on him and they viciously attack him and, and nearly kill him uh, as a result of that altercation and, and a pretty violent attack. And so what happens in terms of the main plot of the story is Ronan suffering the the physical and the emotional damage uh, from that attack has to pursue these three people um, that have done this, have committed this crime. And what he finds as he starts investigating who these three men were, uh, he finds out a couple of things. He he has a a pretty uh, interesting encounter, uh, 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 a police sort of encounter that you would expect uh, with with Lorenzo O'Neill, who's one of the the, uh, perpetrators who attacked him uh, in downtown Charleston, but he starts to find out, you know, that these three men represent a very powerful crime syndicate that has moved into the Charleston area, and they're going to start with Charleston as sort of their testing ground, and they are manufacturing and selling a drug uh, called Croc, K-R-O-K. Uh, the scientific or the technical term of it is called desomorphine, which is a highly addictive drug um, that is, uh, you know, 10 or 15 times more addictive than heroin. Uh, people when they get on it, they can't get off of it. It's extremely expensive, and uh, they start using those criminals, the syndicate does, as um, using Charleston as the test ground, and then they're going to see how the drug spreads, and then they're going to use Charleston's proximity to other major metropolitan areas like Pittsburgh, North Carolina, Charlotte, Columbus, and some other areas to, to sort of spread their drug and spread uh, spread this in order to uh, continue to, to reap a lot of money. But, you know, Ronan tries to track down the, these, these three men, and uh, he learns just how involved and how uh, this is 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 really spiraling out of control and that, uh, that this this drug syndicate is going to threaten the very core of the city and all the laws and norms that have been established there and and then on the other side of that, Ronan's got to try to uh, maintain his relationship with Ty. He's got to try to uh, obviously deal with this situation with his nephew now showing up uh, at his front door. Now he's got a, a teenager living with him, and he's got uh, his sister who's after him, and they're at odds over previous uh, experiences. So he's got a lot going on, but mm. his main his main objective is to figure out uh, who these men are, who are they working for, and how do we stop the spread of croc uh, before it takes over the entire city. That's well done. You're good at this. <laughs> you're good. You're good at laying out the storyline, and we'll we'll get into why that why that might be here in a little bit. This is the first in this series. Not it's not your first book. You've written a couple other novels as well, right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, my first book was a breakdown at Clear River, which was a sports-themed murder mystery, also set in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And then my second novel was titled Making Arrangements, uh, which is, isn't set in West Virginia. It's set in uh, the suburb of Con- Concord, Massachusetts, outside of Boston, and it's more of a family drama story. Okay. And all right, so we've we've alluded to this other thing that you do a couple of times. You host a television show in your town called Chapters, where you interview authors, editors, and publishers from West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky, which sounds like a pretty fun gig. And I I quite jealously ask you during our email, email exchange, how did you get the TV job? So why don't you share that with uh, listeners, if you would? 
Oh, sure. I'd be happy to. And I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to mention that. Um, Armstrong Cable, which services uh, Southern Ohio, Eastern Kentucky, and some cable and television viewers in um the, the western part of West Virginia, uh, was looking to uh, expand some community programming. Uh, they had had a channel, a local community channel for a long time that had been running advertisements. People could put their business cards or their announcements about their business or things they had for sale on the channel. Um, and, and as a result of that, they were looking to use some of the money they had collected from that to uh, put back into community programming. And I'd been contacted by uh, one of the uh, people that worked at the station about doing a show focusing on authors and, and publishers. And I think my name got referenced by one of the librarians over in uh, Lawrence County, Ohio, where I live. And uh, she said, well, you know, if you're going to do that kind of a program, you know, we have an author who's been to our library before, and he would probably be an excellent host. You may want to ask him. So uh, we got contacted on doing that. Or they, we, they got in contact with me thanks to that reference. And we started doing the show, uh, I guess it would have been, we're on our third year now. So this would have started in August of 2013. And I'd picked a couple of local authors that I knew pretty well uh, to come on the show. And we did those first three or four shows just like pilot runs, like you see television shows do a pilot of their show to kind of get uh, feedback and see if viewers are interested. So we did three or four interviews at the outset just to see how it would go, uh, how people would respond. And next thing you know, Steve, here we are three years later. <laughs> and it's one of the most popularly watched programs on their, on their channel. We've done over, I think we're up to 75 or 80 interviews over the last three years, and uh, it's just been extremely successful, and Armstrong gets all kinds of feedback, and I get all kinds of feedback from viewers who uh, appreciate the opportunity, and, and what's interesting, too, is they all often mention that they don't realize how many writers and publishers and, and authors and those kinds of folks are in their community that they just didn't know about, so it's an opportunity to not only uh, uh, let the authors talk about their works and their careers, but also you know, engage the community with the kinds of writers and publishers that uh, are right in their backyard that many of them never knew about. You know, that's an excellent point because I, I live in a small town in Florida, not that small, at, at Naples, Florida. Um, but whenever I will mention to someone that, oh, I met this person who's an author, they live in Naples, or this person, and there are a few pretty famous authors that live in Naples, Janet Ivanovich being one of them, but there are probably a couple hundred that most people have never heard of that are here working and, and producing good work. And it's it's the same in most good-sized towns. You, you're, you make an excellent point that there are a lot of working authors that are out there that are producing books that uh, people are enjoying that, that most of their local community don't know anything about. It sounds like a great gig that you've got doing this, and to be able to shine a spotlight on local people has got to be uh, really fun for you. It has. It, it's been. It's been great. It's been a great experience uh, for the authors, and and I love letting them come on and showcase their work. It's been great uh, bringing the uh, the level of consciousness in terms of. Um, what, what the writers and publishers in our community are doing, but it's also been a great opportunity for me because I, I've had a chance to, to meet and interact with authors who maybe I only knew by name only, or maybe mm -hmm. I'd only heard referenced here and there, uh, maybe in a newspaper article here and there, or, or on, a, on social media or something like that, but to really get a chance to, to communicate with them and network with them uh, has been a great opportunity. So it, it's been a great program. Armstrong's been great to support it, um, and, and it's been a lot of fun, and, and I feel really honored to be able to, to do do that and to, to help raise the level of, of awareness of the writers and the publishers and really just the, the literary heritage of our, of our area and our community. Well, that's terrific. Elliot, where can readers find your book that was just released yesterday? 
They can find it at any of the online platforms that they uh, like to visit, so Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksAmillion.com, all those websites will have it. Uh, Depending on where you live, depending on the size of your bookstore, uh, some of those bookstores, if you have a Books A Million or a Barnes & Noble in your community, depending on where you live and the size of that store, uh, some copies will be available in the store and and maybe some of the more – heavily populated areas, larger cities, uh, you should be able to find the book in the bookstore. If not, uh, all you need to do is ask the bookseller there and they can order it for you. If you'd rather shop from an independent uh, bookstore or a locally owned bookstore, uh, any of those uh, bookstores should be able to get it. Uh, And you can also uh, find out more information about the books and and where they're available uh, through my website, which is uh, Elliot Parker, E-L-I-O-T-P-A-R-K-E-R.com. And I will link to that in the show notes. So again, and we always encourage people, if you've got an indie bookstore around you anywhere, um, go there. If they don't have the book, request a copy of Fragile Brilliance. They can get it for you in a few days. You'll, you'll be getting a, a really good book, and you'll be supporting a local independent bookstore, Which and those are so important to, uh, to authors around the country. Elliot, thank you so much for being here today. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Steve, it was a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me on, and thank you so much for your great program. Uh, You're welcome. This is Stephen Campbell for CrimeFiction.fm. You can find us on iTunes and on the web at www.CrimeFiction.fm. If you do pop by the website, please sign up for the email list. I send out an email each Friday with a summary of the week's interviews. It's the best way to keep up with what we're doing and to be sure you don't miss out on great new books like Fragile Brilliance from Elliot Parker. Thanks for listening.